it's, it's it's just good to create. It's just good to create with 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 food. It's just uh, it's just give me gives me a purpose. It's just um, it's just so satisfying. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Making everything from scratch is not as common as it once was with a raft of ready-to-use, prepared, butchered and packed options for so many levels of the hospitality sector, but there are some operators that refuse to let go of the art and craft and magic of producing everything, staying true to their roots and maintaining consistency and a unique proposition too. Nicola Romano is the chef and owner of Austere in Melbourne. Nicola, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's great to get you on the show. You've got a great restaurant there in uh, Richmond. How are things going? Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, look, um, it's uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster at the moment and uh, past COVID, everything seems to, you know, to be back uh, to where we were left in 20, 2020. But, um, you know, I think with everything that's happening economically and uh, a little bit of the leftover of COVID is, uh, is still making our life a little bit hard, um, especially with uh, staffing issues as well. Like, uh, mm. So it's very hard to find stuff. And, uh, you know, if it was hard before, now it's actually very, very <laughs> hard. I mean, I'm laughing because it's, it's hilarious. Like it's, the situation is, uh, is actually... Um, very sad but uh mm. you know that's what it is so we're just gonna try to do with uh, the best with what we got how, how do you combat that what what do you do to sort of make sure that everything's still firing and the restaurant's doing well in those circumstances oh well look i'm always here every day uh <laughs> yeah trying to make sure that you know everything you know as i said before we can as much as we can do to try to make it uh, as good as we can and um luckily I, I actually have a friend of mine that he used to own a restaurant uh, uh, as a chef as well <clears throat> in fitzroy and um now unfortunately it's, it's been closed for a few months and um, he's coming over and give me a hand on on the aspect of front of house and a list with him is you know you trying to maintain uh, what we used to have but it's just temporary so it's just mm. uh, like a little patch on the wound and uh you know we actually need to to fix the wound as quick as possible and uh and go back to do you know to 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 be what we used to be uh before before these these issues with uh, with stuff so yeah but look it's every day as i said you know i'm here um looking after the wine list as well so taking the bookings making sure that the customer are look after even on a on a on a phone call basis and uh you know just uh, and in the kitchen as well just uh, be there making sure that everything that we produce is uh, up to the standard and, and everything still be made make here at the restaurant in the premises so yeah so, tell us a little bit about austere and what you're doing there so Oster, I was born just uh, six months before COVID happened. And, wow. um, yeah, um, we had uh, big ideas and, you know, we were super pumped, you know, first venture uh, with a guy that I, you know, I used to be my business partner at the moment is just by myself. And um, yeah, we were like super excited and, uh, and we have few actually 
little bit of bumps on the way with, uh, you know, liquor license, permits, etc. So actually we we were able to fully operate as a restaurant with a full drinking license just on January 2020. So basically mm. just just before COVID happened. So we didn't even really taste, you know, the, the feeling of running for a little bit like your own baby, your, uh, your first, <laughs> first restaurant. So yeah, it's, it's been, uh, you know, we... Um, it's been hard, but uh, uh, the main goal for us was to showcase whatever it's amazing of Australia. So uh, products from uh, the land, from the sea, and uh, and then the craft craftsmanship of you know wine makings and whatever all goes around, like in the beverage uh, industry. And um, and yeah, that's what we do. We're trying to showcase you know every day the best best of Australia plus we create a lot in the restaurant as well. So we bake mm. everything in the house. We make anything like in terms of desserts, like from the ice cream, from granitas, from f- we do fermenting. I make my own, uh, some of my cocktail and and distilled that we have at the restaurant, I make them myself. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of work behind yeah. the scene. And, uh, and that's, I think, what keeps me going, really, to be honest, is the, is the need of creating and uh, and even if this is a little bit of a dark time for the industry and especially from you know I'm talking for myself for myself uh, that's the only thing that keeps keeps the the dream you know mm. trying to, to to continue with the dream so yeah Richmond's a really exciting suburb with all sorts of different culinary offerings why did you choose there and what do you love about the suburb uh, look, um, to be honest, it came uh, just as a surprise, the location, uh, because I was actually pretty much the time that I've been living in Australia, it was concentrated in Richmond. Um, so, you know, there was a little bit of history in living in Richmond. But uh, we actually, we were looking a bit everywhere in Melbourne, and then we had an offer for the spot here in uh, in, um, in Bridge Road in Richmond, and uh, we went to see the place, and... Not really agreed at the start with the with the uh, money for the rent, so we were like, you know, we're not ready for uh, for uh, for this location or this amount of money at the moment. And I remember that three months later, they contact us back and they say, look, the landlord is happy to to <laughs> to, to, to negotiate and you know probably put a better, uh, more reasonable offer on the table. And uh, and that's when we were like, oh, amazing, close to the city, you know. Good, good spot. We are actually opposite the uh, airport hospital, mm. and uh, it used to be Bridge Road. Used to be like a very buzzing, buzzing road uh, back in the days. Uh, not in hospitality sector, but I think it was more like related to um, weddings and hairdressers. Uh, but then you know everything fell off, and then hospitality came back to the let's say to the rescue <laughs> but uh yeah it's uh look it's a it's a beautiful beautiful area swan street um bridge road and victoria and victoria street um with as you said there's like so many offering of different different culture in terms of yeah. foods uh, yeah well i want to explore uh, what you're doing there and your food uh shortly uh, but take us back to when you you were young. Where, where did you grow up and what sort of role did food play? So um, I grew up in a little town in the province of Brescia, uh, in the north mm. of Italy. So basically right in the middle of the north, in between uh, uh, Milan and Venice. Um, so lucky we, we are like, we still have like amazing uh, producers and, you know, the history of uh, Italian culinary 
scene is like so old and uh, you know everybody's is like very proud of you know where they're coming from and what what we be well known for in terms of food so um yeah look i we i don't have anyone in my family that is related to hospitality only one person that is my 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 mom's uncle that he used to be a very big uh, big uh, uh, person in hospitality in the north of Italy uh, but you know we were not that close to justify my choice of uh, of becoming a chef and I actually <laughs> asked my father not long ago like probably a month ago and I was like why do you make me choose this and he's like well you don't remember but we actually <laughs> told you a few times are you sure that you want to be into the industry <laughs> and I'm like well <laughs> it probably didn't it wasn't good enough for me to to change ideas so, <laughs> yeah and look I, I think I was surrounded by um, both of my grandmothers uh, they're like very um, very beautiful cooks amazing cooks they're both still alive and um, unfortunately to one she can't cook anymore but uh, you know I still got the memories of uh, of when I was uh, when I was really young and uh, the, this, the smells I can still smell like uh, nonna's tomato sauce while she's cooking it and, and I was outside with nonna picking up salads in the garden like uh, lettuce in mm -hmm. the garden so it's uh, there's a uh, little beautiful memories that I think they helped for me to choose this career and uh, you know eventually yeah, you know 20 hot year later i'm still i'm still in it <laughs> tell us a little bit about the food of Brescia, and is there any sort of dishes as well from your family that you remember that you could share with us uh yeah absolutely yeah look um i i always said the Brescia is a little i don't know if you can say but it's the beach of uh <laughs> of the of the um um culinary scene because uh um yes we do have few few very typical dishes but like comparing to other cities i think it's like uh poor in the term of like um having this big heritage of um, heritage recipes i think and that's when i say we are a bitch because we we our province is so big it's one of the biggest province in all italy that we touch mm. different regions as well so i think we were able to just pick a little bit of influence from you know those regions and you know whatever is the uh, outside area in the same region that is Lombardia, like say with Milan and whatever. So I think it's a little bit of mix of everything. But if I have, if I can name few few um, uh, dishes, like very famous is the casuncelli that we used to have here at the restaurant as well. So it's basically like um, um, a ravioli, like a stuffed pasta, fresh pasta, mm. uh, shaped like a. Um, a candy wrap wow yeah and then uh, you know typically like we just serve it like very simple with um, um, a great grana padano that is the pretty much the same thing of parmigiano reggiano but different locations um a little bit of brown butter and sage and fried sage so that's very simple really really yummy like very very good and my mom's mom she's amazing making them and every year in christmas time was the time where you know she was showcasing making heaps of them with different flavors like with pumpkin and amaretti or like just the we call it the the grasso the version of like with meat rather than the magro one that is mean like the, the slim the slim version of like just fresh cheese and spinach or whatever spontaneous herb she could find around where she was living so yeah it's um 
You're making me miss mm. my 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 hometown. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know I know I not talk about it quite often. So yeah. yeah, it sounds amazing. Where, where, tell us about your first steps into the industry. Where, what were the sort of really important moments early on for you? Um, look, I started uh, culinary school. So when I was 15, I uh, um, I joined this uh, yeah uh, culinary school and I did my five years. So. In between school, I mean, in between school and, and while, while, while I was studying and I was a little bit older than 14, 15, I started to do some uh, extra shift around in like places, like friends, restaurants or whatever. And uh, I actually started as more like related to front of house at the start. Yeah. But then, yeah, but then I uh, like I'm a. I'm a quite extrovert person, but at the same time, I like I like to be introvert in my own way. I like to have my own time, my own you know thinking in my own thoughts. And so I was mm. like, probably, probably I don't know if I'll be really good for me to stay at the front. So I just focus <laughs> on yeah in the kitchen. And and I was lucky enough that I had a couple of very good uh, very good uh, chefs that they were teaching at the school, and uh, and seeing them like working with us that we were young and crazy but like with the same passion that they were probably doing it at their own places or their restaurant that they were working for it was like crazy for me it was like oh that that's amazing i never seen someone like so devoted to something like this mm. so yeah probably that was one of the reasons as well that pushed me to go towards the cooking side of the industry and then um yeah, I finished school i work in a couple of places in brescia and then uh, i always had a dream to to go to Ireland since I was very young and um, wow. 20, yeah, at 20s I left and I, I went off to Dublin and I lived there for like four and a half years, four, yeah, between four and four and a half years. Um, at to Esper today is still one of the most beautiful places and beautiful people I ever met in my life. What, what so, was it about Ireland that uh, drew you there? Uh, I don't know. Like, look, now, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I kind of know, but um, last year I did a, a ancestry, like a DNA test as well. Mm. And he actually came out, I'm like nearly 10% Irish in my <laughs> DNA. So I was like, wow, that's, that's actually very scary. <laughs> I, was like, I always had this vocation since I was a kid, like about Ireland. I don't know. I was just fascinated. And, uh, and then I was like, look, maybe, maybe something inside me just uh drove me there and uh and i used to be a sucker for you too as well the band so yeah <laughs> yeah so probably that was one of the reasons as well together and um yeah so i went there and um yeah everybody's like why are you going there for cooking like what are you gonna learn there you know <laughs> it's the land of the potatoes and you know the bacon i'm like well yeah actually that's where i think it for me and I, I i started to work with this um uh, very famous restaurant in the city of dublin around sam stephen green uh, park mm. and um yeah that was my first time the first time where i actually you know worked into a very big uh, kitchen brigade so there was like 15 of us and probably during service was like around 10 people so it was like a real feel of what a a good run kitchen should look like mm. and uh, and that's where i started pretty much to learn a lot of uh, new you know new cooking methods and you know it was the time where as well um uh, Ferran Adria, Adel Bulling, Roses in Spain, he was having his uh his moment. So, you know, these new techniques like uh, modern uh, you know, like molecular and whatever you wanna call it. 
um so I came through the pictures and um yeah so that's made me even more interested in in cooking and you know I, but i think yeah dublin dublin is the place where um um i said okay I, i'm gonna do this for the rest of my life this is this is what i like wow. to do yeah You've, you've worked in lots of different countries, uh, yeah. <laughs> Spain, uh, Dubai, and in England, yeah. um, and of course Italy. What, do you have any sort of standout highlights that sort of have had a big impact on you and the direction you took as a chef? Yeah, so one is uh, definitely working at Bang, uh, Bang Cafe restaurant in Dublin. Uh, I was able mm. to work with a lot of uh, chefs with a Michelin star background. Uh, Kevin, that is like a st still with the really good friends. And he was, let's say, my mentor. Uh, that I think he was one of the reasons why um, I choose to be, you know, to be professionally uh, professional chef, you know, to continue with my career. Uh, he was like very... Um, I would just say like um it was it was a good great teacher like he 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 he, were, he was taking the time and you know in his own way i mean it was and mm. we still talking about like abusive abusive kitchens and you know <laughs> uh, i know i'm sorry i'm laughing but it's actually it's terrible and yeah, uh, of course it's it's very bad uh, but he was like in his own way um making me part of of what was happening and uh, and taking the time to teach me and uh, and he was always ready with an answer and if he didn't have the answer he was coming back to me with an answer all the time so and i, lo I love that and clearly he's uh other to be a very good friend of mine he's just uh, probably yeah, one of the uh, best chefs that i had the chance to work with uh and definitely then after that i i, I met a lot of people a lot of very amazing chefs but another person that probably uh gave made an impact in my life as well and in terms of cooking and you know and friendship is uh is a famous italian female chef actually albanian but mm. naturalized italian fem female chef named entiana osmenzetza yeah and she yeah she's like yeah She's she's just Indiana. Like I can't, she's you need to know her to understand what I mean. She's she's a warrior. She's just uh, amazing. And in a world of uh, of uh, I mean, in in an industry that is predomin predominantly like uh, um, surrounded by men uh, and for female, it's it's always been a little bit hard to shine. And I found it very very sad that as per today, still there's so many amazing female chefs out there that they can't push out because it's still a very manly manly mm -hmm. industry uh and it's funny because i always been sous chef for female chef so i've got these you know i don't know it's always been like i think they got the extra touch the careness the it reminds me a lot of uh, women's in maternity when they cook and when they run places it's it's unbelievable it's it's so good and um yeah so she she made a very big impact in my life and then um yeah i think probably those two are the the main uh, the main reason of uh, of everything so yeah and then of course i got a family a family that always been a big sport always no matter what they always been there so yeah what did uh, Entiana teach you in regards to, to cooking and your approach to creating dishes? Uh, well, first of all, um, <laughs> she was always saying that I was a, a hothead, like, you know, like a very, very hothead. And she's like, you got to calm down and just do two step back and understand how 
we do things this way and because tradition is important for modern cooking. So she teaches me so many things about the respect of where I'm coming from, of uh, the produce and, you know, the people around you and to don't, you know, fuck up with other chef's recipes pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, yeah, but she, and she, you know, as her story, her story is very moving and uh, the way that she came to Italy and the way that she came, you know, to, to be the person that she is today. So, you know, make me, make me see the industry with different eyes as well. And, you know, especially women in the industry with different eyes. So, yeah. What sort of uh, lured you to Australia? How did that come about? Uh, I actually didn't want to come to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was done. No, not in a bad way. I mean, I was, I was very done with uh, traveling. I think I was, I reached the stage. I think I was around, yeah, I was 29. And um, I was, we were working myself and my ex-partner that we came here together. Uh, we were working in a beautiful establishment in, uh, in Tuscany. And um uh, but very bad, uh, badly managed. Um, so we were like thinking what to do. We want to do something together. We want to, she did, she really wanted to live with me outside Italy because she didn't, she never really had any experience apart to staying home. And, uh, so we were like, we started to look for Scandinavia, like, uh, up in North of Europe. And then, you know, it was the end of season. So there was not much going on. So she was like, what about Australia? You know, we still, <laughs> we're still young enough to have, uh, uh, the working holiday visa, you know, before it's too late. It's a, uh, you know, fast growing country. Yeah. I was like, all right, let's, let's give it a try. We came here, we broke up pretty much straight away. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, and, and I was like, all right, I'm stuck. I'm not, I'm not stuck here, but I, I, I managed to get a sponsorship pretty quickly. And, uh, so I was here kind of safely and, um, yeah, that's it. Not long after I met my wife, uh, that, um, um, we have two beautiful kids together now. And, uh, yeah, so I stayed, uh, I stayed in Australia. Yeah. Tell us about the beginnings and um, building sort of your career here. Where, where did you work and what were sort of the important venues as you built your career in Melbourne? Uh, in Melbourne, uh, look, uh, as soon as I came to Melbourne, um, I had a bit of a look around. I wanted to have a little bit of a break from, uh, yeah, we came up from this season in the establishment that was very, very, very full on. We were working like six days a week, like, crazy hours and so I was like all right I'll take a little bit of break and um, I started uh, uh, I had a brief time uh, the really small time at the European uh, in the city and then uh, um, I actually took on a job uh, in Brunswick East uh, for um, guys that they were opening up this new uh, craft bar um, uh, bar and food venue um, and that's when I got my sponsor uh, with them, um, look, beautiful people, but I think, you know, it's hard being, being in hospitality is very hard. And especially if you, if you're not coming from hospitality background and you're coming from different industries and, um, you don't have big money and you're trying to do something from scratch and you push money into the business before you start, it's, it's pretty much a dead sentence for you. If you don't have uh, willing to spend money in marketing, if you don't, you know, if you don't have a really back, a background or a name, um, so it, that place didn't last long, unfortunately. Um, mm. 
by F. From there, I moved to uh, what used to be Walter's Wine Bar back in the days that uh, oh, yeah. um, the people from uh, Tutto Bene took over the lease and uh, they opened up Artusi. Uh, it was run by a different chef at the start and then I came into the picture. I was there for like a year and a half, a little bit more than a year and a half and then they, they even there, they closed down for uh, bad management and uh, yeah, so that's it. So then I moved from, uh, from that place to another, uh, another restaurant that was opposite Artusi called The Deck and uh, they were opening a new spot in the city as a daytime uh, venue and i wanted to have a little bit of a a break on nights and spend more time home and uh um, so it was more like daytime uh, daytime venue and um yeah and after that i you know finish up with them and we open up yeah work briefly in other places but nothing nothing exciting and then uh, i I open up Oster with uh, my ex-friend, ex-business partner. <laughs> so, yeah. Tell us about the beginnings of Oster. Um, where did it? Where did the idea of it uh, come from? The idea of the name or the idea of uh, Oster itself? Oh, the yeah of it of the restaurant itself. Okay, so basically. Um, when uh, uh, Osvaldo and I, my ex-business partner, met at Artusi, um, we felt a little bit tight, you know, following kind of, you know, at the end, yeah, you're managing the place, but uh, you can't really put yourself into it, like creating your own food, uh, your own uh, beverage list the way that you want it. So we kind of, we were a little bit tired of the situation. So we're like, oh, let's try to build something for ourselves and, and mm. to showcase it. So with a friend, with a friend of mine, uh, Mandy, uh, she's a copywriter, an amazing copywriter. Um, we created like this bond, the three of us together and we, created a, a pop-up venture called Chapter 53 uh, that we run for a few events. Um, so basically where we show, where we, where we were showcasing like the best of Victorian produce, Victorian drinks, um, in like whatever it's around the industry of hospitality. And um, so we were very narrowed down to Victoria. So just, just Victoria itself. And, uh, and then when the chance of Oster of opening a restaurant came up, um, I really pushed with Osvaldo to keep the same concept, maybe not mm. so narrowed down, but like a little bit more broad in terms of just all Australia and keeping the wine list only only Australian, um, get pretty much as much as possible from Victoria and Australia in terms of uh, uh, food products. So that's pretty much how Oster started from a pre-project that we had on a, on a non-daily basis, but transformed that into a daily basis um, venture. So that's how Oster was born, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your food and um, your approach. And is there a couple of dishes that you can tell us about that exemplifies what you're doing there at Ostea? Yeah, yeah. So the food, the food itself, my, my style of cooking, it's very, I mean, I, I just, I don't really like labels, but, uh, you know, it's more, it's a modern, modern style of cooking with a lot of influence from the places that I work and the people that I worked. Um, and uh, look, what what we have at the moment like i can give you like a dish that we have on the mom at the moment on the tasting menu that is um um 
it's it's a cross between two two cultures that are not mine. One is Japanese and one is French. So I'm just the vessel to you know in between those two cultures to put something together. So um, we have a um, savory yeah, chawamushi. So it's like a Japanese style of custard that we make uh, here, we infuse it with a, a, a mushroom powder garum that we make here. So we make a garum, like, uh, you know, um, 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 uh, you know garums? What I'm, yeah, okay, beautiful, yeah. So then we dehydrate the, the tomato, sorry, the tomatoes, the mushroom, and we make a powder out of it. And then we rehydrate it into the, the dashi, and then we add eggs and whatever, we cook it, we set it. And then we uh, use um, um, scallops from Western Australia, from Abrolo Island. We do a scallop tartare with uh, uh, roasted buckwheat, a little bit of wild uh, wild garlic, and then on top of this custard, and then we top it up with uh, a foam uh, made with uh, cauliflower. It's a cauliflower vichyssoise. And so, you know, you go like this layer of, you know, super soft, then you go like, the scallops, the crunchiness of the roasted buckwheat, and then this like custardy texture. And, uh, you know, this is one of the dish that we have uh, on the tasting menu at the moment. And uh, what else I can do? Oh yeah, the tip, exactly like the, the, the dish that um, um, it's very famous from where I'm from, uh, the casuncelli. Um, I started to look at the recipe and with my own eyes. So, so what we do, um, is making like a beautiful like uh, fresh pasta with eggs. So we use a lot of egg whites, uh, sorry, egg yolks. Uh, so it's quite orangey in, uh, in color as well. And uh, we fill it at this stage, we fill it with a uh, pumpkin and amaretti with sage. And then instead of having the grated grana on top of the dish, when it comes up from the water in the plate and cover it with brown butter and fried sage, we make, uh, uh, we make um, uh, a foam of uh, grana, so the cheese where I'm, that it comes where I'm from in Italy, and uh, a beautiful brown butter on top of it, and we fry the seeds separately, and we, we keep it like super green, and gives the nice crunch and the, the color, the visual as well. It, look, it looks beautiful. I need to send you a picture, and then it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's pretty much re, re, reinventing a classic with a you know with a modern eye with a with a modern touch and uh, and that dish has been on since uh, since we opened and you know it's a it's a, it's a very interesting simple but beautiful well executed dish yeah you, you love to do everything from scratch all the way across the restaurant what what is the benefits and joy of doing things that way oh well look this is this is at the end of the day it's what uh what uh what I think any other chef with the same level of passion and commitment to the to the to the trade mm. should have you know like uh, know a little bit of uh, everything for everything so if tomorrow you're gonna jump me into a bakery maybe i won't be the best baker around me but i know how to move myself and i know to, how to produce something in the field so um and without that as i said to you before like i think if i lose that i'll be probably better off for me to go and change uh, change uh, change job and do something else because i love i love to create with food food it's every day you know it's it's different you got a car today that is different from the car that you're gonna get next week yeah so it's it, 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 it 
see the difference of a puree made with a carrot today and make it in three months time. So the beauty of it, like the, is the difference. And when people say to me, ah, consistency, yeah, you can create a consistency around the dish, but if you're true, true to the, through the season and everything, you, you won't have consistency because the, pro the, the, the product are so different. That is, it's, it's the beauty of it. You know, you yeah. one day you think it's amazing the way that you did it today. And then next time that you do it, you just think that it's actually even better than the last one. So, yeah. You weren't expecting to move to Australia and yet you've been here for a decade now. 10 years now, in yeah. December. Yeah. What, what's, what sort of kept you here and what do you love about it in Australia? Uh, look, the, the produce that they're from Australia, I've been fascinated with the way of the kettles, the way that the kettles are being, you know, um, left in the, you know, you got amazing amount of space. That is something that back in Europe, you, yeah, you see it, but not as much as here. Mm. So that, 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 that's beautiful. And then and, and products as well. Look, the, the, only, the products are beautiful. The only thing is the, the consistency in delivering the products. There is a little bit of a downhill for me. But uh, other than that, it's just uh, it's just beautiful. Even into wine makings now that I'm making the wine list for myself for the restaurant, and being in contact with a small wine producer and and the and the scene of wine in Australia is just unbelievable. You got so many amazing wine producer, mm. incredible. Well, yeah. You, you, well, you're doing amazing things there in, in Richmond and doing everything by the sounds of it at the moment. But yeah. um, what do you love about what you do? Uh, it's, it's, it's just good to create. It's just good to create with, with, with food. It's just, uh, it's just give me, gives me a purpose. It's just, um, it's just so satisfying, especially when you, you know, like I've been doing panettone every year since we opened Oster. And every year I can see the difference in my skills. So I can see that every year I, I'm learning from what I've done be wrong before because I don't have anyone. I like to, to read and do, right? A lot of chef friends of mine are like, oh, but why you, you know how to do so many things? Because I don't stop. I don't sit down. You know, you got internet nowadays. It's like a key to the world, pretty much the information. So if you don't, if you don't use it with, uh, you know, with, towards your interest uh, you know it's 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 just terrible so i just uh, learn like you know I, i'm trying to do something by myself i can't reach it okay just go and look call my friend that is a famous pastry chef back home in italy and just like okay oh try to do this try to do that and every year i see that even that's what and that's what i love this is what i love just uh, it's a never-ending learning path there's so much to learn that it's unbelievable. And I will die and there will be so much left to learn about it. <laughs> well, uh, Nicola, it's, a, it's an honor to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a part of your story. I'm um, looking forward to hearing much more of it. So uh, please keep in touch and we'll yeah. catch up again soon. Please. Thank you very much. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au and be well.